there anyone there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Can you see me? Yes. Yeah, awesome. sorry, I'm a couple minutes behind. Oh, not a worry. I'm usually a couple of hours behind in life and everything, <laughs> so I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lauren, for your time on a Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> greatly appreciate it. So I'm really looking forward to get to talk to you and learn about you and sort of what your perspective is on your craft and life and all kinds of things like that. So if you don't mind, can I ask you how life began for you? Where are you from? So I'm from Northern New Jersey. Um, I've been here uh, obviously with um, some breaks in between, but <laughs> my most, pretty much my whole life. And I was, I, I grew up in a small suburban, very suburban neighborhood. And it kind of took off, went from there. I branched off into various cities and countries and continents throughout my life and um, somehow kind of returned back here for now. You know, so. that's, that's kind of how life is. You have to go somewhere else for a while. You have to explore. And then for whatever reason, you get this, this feeling in your heart or your mind or whatever, where you say, I need to go back to that place for whatever reason. And, you know, same yeah. here in, in many respects. So when you were growing up, did you have artistic parents or, or parents who wrote, uh, who did that sort of creative thing? No, not at least not overtly. Um, it was interesting because I was not, um, I was not really surrounded with art as a medium that was out there on the surface. Um, it was really only there as I got older and started asking questions and started hearing stories about, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents and, it was kind of always this thing that was um, there. Like my mother is very creative. Um, and when I was a toddler, like when I was really little, she started a shirt company, a, a design company. Oh, really? Took off. And I didn't really, I guess it, I don't know. It wasn't really something that was there on the surface. Like I didn't really know about it until I was much <laughs> older. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interestingly for me and for, I guess my family uh, history, it's, been something there, but very much below the surface. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it seems like that creativity, while sometimes it doesn't go straight to paper or on a stage or anything, it takes more practical forms a lot of the time. Right. And then it starts making yeah. its way into like entrepreneurship and all that stuff. So when did you begin this process of learning that you were a writer or is there a moment, you know, I know a lot of people have eureka moments and stuff like that, but did you yeah. feel like that? Yeah, um, definitely. And it, it was actually quite recently that that really clicked for me as real. Um, I've been writing since I could write. And it's cool because my mom actually kept like everything. So I have these <laughs> these little little um, chat books, really, these little poetry collections and stuff that I was writing at like eight years old. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah. And it was always there in various ways. It was always there really as this like kind of heartbeat for me. Um, an ally, a lifeline, you know, it took different shapes throughout my life, but it was always there. And I, it took me going, uh, you know, across the country in a doctoral program for something completely different <laughs> to have this eureka moment with a professor um, during, <laughs> during a uh, course on vocation to relay back to me, um, actually letters to a young poet. It really clicked for me. I heard somebody else say out loud that I was a poet. And <laughs> from there, it kind of just my whole world exploded and imploded. 
Um, but that was only, I mean, what, four years ago? So it's, it's interesting that this has been an ongoing thing for you, but I think it maybe took a signifier or something from the external world, world to, to recognize that, right? And then you feel like, yeah, well, why? Yeah, I've always been this, right? Uh, it's yeah. funny how that takes form sometimes. When yeah. you, you were going to school, what led you to this path of healing? Because I'm noticing a pattern of, of you're healing in a variety of different ways. And I'm just curious when that, that instinct started for you. Mm, that's a really good question. What comes up first is the, I guess, more on the surface with my experience with shadow work. Um, so I. Can you tell me about shadow work, first of all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the specific type that I'm path that I'm talking about is um, like Carl Jung. Uh, obviously, this was around eons before Carl Jung, but um, Carl Jung's description and um, study of the unconscious and what exists that we are not fully aware of, um, but still comes out, you know, mm. in other ways. So interestingly, I think I was kind of always doing it where I would just kind of open a notebook and just let anything, let emotion out and be surprised with what would come out in poetic form, you know, mm. answers and stuff I wasn't really aware of before um, consciously. But the specific shadow work would be um, really kind of automatic writing is what I did. Um, there was also a whole bunch of dream work um, and I was studying it for a while. Um, I'm a psychotherapist by trade and I that took me to the path of going deeper and deeper and deeper into the psyche and um, really the place where uh, psyche and soul and art and all of that stuff kind of collide and that's yeah, so it seemed that now you're at a point where you feel comfortable acknowledging this is kind of my role. This is how where I feel I belong in providing this kind of aid to to people. Uh, did you ever feel like you were lost in in a way, in a way that that kind of like took your path in this direction that affirmed it like that? Or was it just, no, I think I don't have to go through a traumatic experience, but I just have to feel like I can help people? Yeah. Um uh, the first, for sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> but this is singly. There's a lot of Pluto and Scorpio in my uh, in my natal chart. Um, <laughs> yes, there is. There's a lot of uh, lost, a lot of um, deaths that I went through on a deeper level. Um, a lot of personal traumas and. Um, a lot that kind of always were, again, it was a lot of stuff that I would be kind of coping with internally. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that definitely was a, a massive catalyst in me, even exploring the field of psychology to begin with. It was always something that kept me returning to my writing because uh, when I was, especially when I was a early adolescent and throughout my adolescence and twenties, and the writing would always be something that I would pour out all of the stuff into. Mm. So, yeah, it was a huge catalyst in me going to help other people. And then also within my writing, um, there was the longest time where I thought you had to be in pain in order to write poetry. Mm. Um, just also because I didn't have really much of a framework externally other than my own lived experience. That's interesting, right? Where you have this underlying feeling that you have to just release everything. Uh, I yeah. call it the exorcism, right? Where you're just, just taking as <laughs> yeah. much as humanly possible. And then you get to that yeah. point, right? Where you say, I, 
there's got to be something else. There's got to be something outside of the periphery of, of what I know and, and feel maybe there's external things. What was the, do you, do you remember a poem that did that for you where you felt like this feels like the end of a chapter and I can pursue other things now? Does it happen like that? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. There were a few. Yeah, there were a few. Um, I remember like the, I mean, before I knew what, before I had other words for it, there would definitely be, like, I, I would cycle in my life, you know, and there would be these moments of reaching this end of this cycle crisis, really crisis moments. Again, all internally, everybody on the outside would not be <laughs> wiser, but where it would be kind of this outpouring and, and I would have this whole series of, of poems and pages and it would be like 20 pages of writing. And then at the end, it was just like, I felt the, almost like the wheel complete. Um, it's interesting. I, I love that question. Cause I've never, um, I've never verbalized that and kind of looked at it objectively like that, but definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of remember you, you mentioning that in, in an interview that I saw on your website where it did feel like you were, you're done with this part of you, but it had to happen. It wasn't like a good or bad thing. Yeah. It was just like, this is a chapter that needs to, to wrap yeah. up. Uh, but I, I kind of appreciated that because I think a lot of us don't get out of that particular cycle. Not that it's again, a good or bad thing, but just opening up a bit more and being more receptive with, with that craft. I know I personally have struggled with a lot of that where everything becomes a, like a, a parent play or whatever. I'm a playwright. So everything goes to a play, right? It's like, you know, that shitty moment that I had with somebody, you know, oh, it becomes a play. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful thing though. Yeah. When did you start properly submitting to, to publications and journals? It was actually a year ago. Wow. Only, only a year ago. Yeah. And I got to say kudos um, to you because there is a crap ton you. of publications that, and that's amazing. That's really thank wonderful you. to see. So that's a testament hey. to your awesome work. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, no, I appreciate that. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting because so much of this, you know, is about like <laughs> I feel like becoming real, you know, realizing that you're real and I'm yeah. real and oh, this is something I've been doing my whole life, but oh wait, shit, it's it's actually real. And <laughs> I can, <laughs> you know, I don't have to first have this just be this kind of side hobby that, you know, sits yeah. in the back. Like this is what culturally they tell me that, but this doesn't have to be that way. So yeah, and I'm curious of that too because you know you have a very much needed profession. Your day job, I imagine, you you go in and you provide this amazing service to people who are in need. Um, but I'm curious how that balances out in your day, where you feel like perhaps you have to push away poetry to focus on on the primary need to serve, or can mm. poetry serve in that way too? Is there some like transferable stuff? That comes from yeah. from your your day trade to to your night trade, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, it's it's interesting because I like throughout my life there've been I've almost like always held this like these opposites, this like the tension of opposites, even in how I existed in the world. You know, inner outer stuff was always a kind of opposite in a yeah. way. Um, and my, I feel like my task in, in at least my own path has been to kind of uh, get to the place where they converge and where they kind of maybe explode something new. Um, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, I find that all of these, what I thought were separate hats are really one and are really supposed to be one. The psychotherapy, the, um, 
you know, that, that piece and then the poetry and even my work with plants, like there is definitely a convergence there. So interestingly with, uh, with the therapy piece, the therapeutic piece, it was, it was like, I almost kind of conceptualizing poetry and, and this is almost like this embodied, like the, the muses, like this, this entity or something that was always there also aiding throughout the process. Um, when I, I worked for a child welfare agency for a long time. Um, and I also, then I started a, a practice, a private practice working with trauma and life transitions. And the a big piece of it was um, working with like the unseen and the imaginal and the stuff that is kind of, again, below the surface. Right. So for a lot of my clients, poetry would be a way to bring it to the forefront. Oh, um, and in a lot of ways, you know, the place that I had to get in when I would be sitting with somebody is very similar to the place that I would have to be when I'd be sitting to um, work with my poetry. Um, You know, it's kind of feeling it's in this uh, really kind of this almost liminal, almost um, like ineffable, like you can't quite describe what it is, but this altered, altered space in order to truly feel what the other person was also putting into the space. Um, And also for me to be, open to what they would need from me, where I would need to go. It was very, um, it, even in the, the heaviest, heaviest, you know, stuff, it was always poetic in a way. Right. I, I always love that. And I've, I've had the good fortune of working with some uh, folks in, not necessarily directly in your, in your area, but uh, a lot of social workers and, and things of that nature. And it always baffles my mind how we don't use poetry and expression enough in those cases of trauma. And so I applaud you for doing that and for bringing that to to your field because it's such an underused tool, in my opinion, where you can yeah. allow folks to frame their grief and their trauma and all the things that they've experienced through, you know, this this thing that can make it not palatable, but just just bearable. And there is a thing of beauty there to that. And why do you think that we don't embrace this enough? in our culture. And I usually reserve these questions, you know, at the end, because I I tend to get pretty inspirational because I need to get hyped about (laughs) life and doing things, you know, but why do we not embrace this, especially in in your field? Because I don't know how common it is. And maybe you can correct me on that. No, you're right. It's, it's not. um, I mean, it's, it's budding a lot more, you know, the depth psychology. I mean, I, I went a very conventional route. I went social work, I went art therapy, which I guess is not that conventional, but I went art therapy, <laughs> social work. And then I, I started going for my doctorate in, in depth psychology, which there's some words there like archetypes and the imaginal and the dream work, shadow work, you know, that are kind of like popping up all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like it's, it's moving towards that, um, at least in pockets. But I mean, not to get too cynical, but I feel like a, a lot of what we um, encounter in the day-to-day culture and the, you know, especially in this part of the world, it's so, um, it's very band-aided. It's very quick fixed. It's very, um, you know, consuming, a consumer. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's no long-term sort of thinking. It's rather about the immediate, like you said, band-aid or the immediate fix rather yeah. than fixing a person from the inside out the way it should be, right? Yeah. And and there's also a tremendous amount, I think, of rejection of anything other than 
the the light and the positive. And I mean, I think that of course has ripple effects throughout, you know, I mean, that has racist implications that has, there's so many degrees to which, you know, this culture um, just it takes this CD concept and within, within psychology and within, you even see it within like spiritual circles, like this rejection um, of like the other, this rejection of anything that has, yeah. It, it's almost like it's, it's still kind of stuck in that model of this is Western thinking and we're going to go by the book and by the book yeah. is really only the one way to, to go about healing yeah. somebody. Um, Absolutely. It's yeah. And it's the way that, and, and within the, um, it's interesting because within going back like, within specifically psychology, there's still like, it's like the pendulum swung. Like there was this push for everything to be so positive. And when mm. that happened, you know, like the positive psychology movement, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was in school during it and I, I support, you know, of course like on, you know, the, the tenets of it are great, you know, yeah. love and positivity and happiness. And, <laughs> but I feel like when the, when the pendulum swung so much to this side, there was this kind of like uh, hesitance to be in the muck, to be in anything, like you said, long-term or not even long-term, but like, yeah, long-term or less, neatly kind of tied up with a ribbon into a box, yeah, you know, and for sure. yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a whole, there's a whole yeah, and I, I, podcast that can go with it. No, and I, I love it. I love it because my yeah. favorite podcasts are when we don't really talk about poetry so much as just, you know, the, <laughs> the nature, the nature of our dumpster fire world. And you know, if there's a way to go forward, but I do love that you acknowledge, right. There's this positive thinking movement and, I always feel like I'm required to get hyped about everything 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do we need rest? Why do we need rest? This is just so important. Yeah. Do you have a moment where your your spirituality became what it is now? Or what kind of religion did you have growing up and what led you to the spirituality that you have now, if I may? Mm. Yes. Um, okay. So I was raised Roman Catholic, pretty, um, I mean, dogmatic, pretty dogmatic Roman Catholic. Um, my, my background is Italian, Irish, um, both lived with family or, or was, um, a lot of my life was around family who would like, come over from Italy. Um, and I was, you know, my parents were, uh, when I was born, they went back to the church. They built a church community. I was, I was an altar server Oh wow! for like, for like a really long time. Like, <laughs> so you were in it, you were in the, <laughs> I was in it. I was in it. Um, and I don't know, it was interesting because I feel like there was always this kind of questioning there. Um, and uh, yeah, I would always kind of question, I would usually get into fights with my mom about it. Um, I would write a lot. Yeah. Um, I remember encountering, um, uh, Anita Franco. Um, Oh her, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that I feel like was a massive influence on me. Uh, I, you know, it's funny cause I didn't actually, I wouldn't have pieced it together specifically with religion, but it was because there was, um, there was, there were themes there that were within me, but that were kind of questioning and pushing back against, you know, how things are presented to us and what mainstream, right? you know, what mainstream. Um, so I was, I was, I was like an altar server and then I would go to my friend Maeve's house and we would like light shit on fire and practice witchcraft <laughs> and listen to Anita Franco. <laughs> so you, you felt like that was that like, not that it was a rejection of anything, but just like, this feels yeah. more right for me. This feels like who I need to be now. 
Um, and so yeah. do you remember a moment and, and I apologize for prying on this, but I no, just feel like it's it. such a big question in my life because I, I too am Catholic and I've had a lot of different opinions about why I, I got to the place where I am now that I'm just curious about other people's journey yeah. on this. Was there a moment or a confrontation perhaps with family where you said, this isn't who I am anymore, a specific moment that maybe flicked the switch for you? Yeah. You know what? I feel like the, and this is kind of wild because I, I love talking about this. <laughs> I greatly going. appreciate it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of wild. I feel like things only clicked like within the last maybe five to 10 years for me. Mm. Because so I was, I, like I said, I was raised Catholic, but I always had this kind of like undercurrent um, that I was kind of railing against it, but both were still existing at the same time. So I guess I never really, I would kind of go through the motions, like the, the cat, the Catholicism for me was always very, um, much more, much more cultural, much more like just tradition based mm. as opposed to spiritual, my spirituality, my deeper stuff was almost like at odds with it in a way that like, I would be, I was working with plants, um, mm. from when I was like a preteen, like I would always kind of connect with them. And like, I would start working with herbs and I was drawn mm. to like, oh my God, the craft came out when I was 10 years old. Like I was, <laughs> I was drawn to this, like this deeper, darker stuff that didn't exist in my day-to-day, -day, mm. right. My day-to-day -day religion. But what's interesting is, so as I've kind of gone throughout my life and these paths, like I encountered spirituality. I, I was trained in Reiki when I was like a, in my early twenties. And then I got into different spiritual circles and there was a lot of ickiness there and there was mm. a lot of pretty effed up stuff going on that stuff obviously really kind of came to the surface, especially mm. with, you know, QAnon, like all those were a lot of these spiritual circles kind of oh, yeah. showed for what they were. Um, I feel like I was like dabbling in so much and it never, it never quite clicked. And what's really interesting is that only in the last five years, I've actually kind of like circled back, embracing my embracing like again after all the shadow work embracing the deeper heavier stuff kind of circling back to catholicism and looking at these like more of the roots of it and i feel like for the first time in my life i'm actually connecting with the roots of catholicism on a spiritual level mm. and um and it's in, i mean like there's so many things that i do and these things that were not you know like in in suburban New Jersey in the late nineties and early two thousands, like they weren't doing the only time that it was heavy in church was on Holy Thursday, mm -hmm. which was the only time I, I liked it. <laughs> um, but you go back into some of the roots of this stuff and it is all, it is the, you know, the, the heaven and hell, it, it's all of it together. It's, you know, yeah, the, there, there's more context to the ritual, right? Because it feels yeah, like a lot of yeah. us, a lot of us went through the motions. Uh, yeah. if, if I may be so honest, yeah, <laughs> think, please. you know, uh, no, that I think, uh, us nineties kids, you know, the craft really, really did a number on, on all of us <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of early beginnings, and then we can talk about plants too, because I, I think there's just such a fascinating, you know, uh, load of stuff to, to unfold there. What are some works of art or, or writings, you know, you mentioned Annie DeFranco, you, you mentioned the craft, what are other uh, bits of, of creative work that informed the, the artists that you are now? If yeah. you have any, any more, cause I, I love recommendations. 
This is yeah, yeah. This podcast is very selfish. I just need to get more, more stuff to, to listen to. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of speckled throughout. It's funny as I, as I was like getting ready and getting into my own head before I was like, I started listening to Fiona Apple again. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, there was like, um, I mean, there was a lot of kind of that. A lot of music actually really influenced me. Honestly, mm. I feel like more than poets, and yeah, that could be one because I don't believe they're mutually exclusive. I feel like they're the same. Um, and also because I just wasn't exposed to um, poets and poetry written form, um, you know, until I was pop until I was in college, mm. really. Um, you know, poet. I wound up. Um, studying actually in, in uh, Oxford for a little while. I had this like program that I was invited to, which was really cool. Mm. Um, and uh, I kind of was on my own in Oxford um, studying William, studying the poets, uh, the romantics, poets and painters. And I really latched into, um, latched into uh, William Blake. And mm. it was funny because like William Blake, the only thing I had learned of his was like, you know, tiger, tiger, like his, his like like nicer package stuff, and when I went deeper, it was like it's, it was pretty you very know. heavy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, you know, William Blake influenced me that that deeper stuff. Um, I know this is like something conventional, but I was influenced by Dolly a lot. You know, when I first encountered that, because it was something different, um, mm -hmm. kind of challenged what you know I was kind of saw art as. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, those were, there was, oh, and then honestly, interestingly, Carl going into all of this with depth psychology and these, um, these writers that really danced the line and I mean, not dance the line, they really wove together all of this for me. Um, you know, Robert Bly, uh, was his work and his work with the human shadow and his poetry. Um, and Carl Jung's red book was another huge one because it was just his own dive into madness. I was like, mm. I get this. <laughs> this is what my journals look like. Um, yeah. Those are kind of off the top of my head. Um, those are some of the, the yeah, big ones. Yeah. I love that. No, thanks. Thanks for sharing. I mean, it, it just gives yeah. so much context, right. To, to who you, who you become after, after yeah. you, you know, the, that kind of, healthy consumption. It's, it's not like a, like a bad consumption, but I, I just remember like, you know, the nineties were a weird time. And so I'm, I'm glad that I get to speak with somebody <laughs> who, with similar, you know, references now. Um, yeah, but, there was the one, there's one track. Do you remember? Um, oh my, this is so obscure. There was the track <laughs> bugs on the end of like the Pearl Jam. There was like this yeah. one, there's track <laughs> bugs. And I remember getting to the end cause I would like sit and play cassettes. Like my parents, even though they were like, good like church going suburban people they were like they were they were punks like they they had all this other oh, stuff bless them. <laughs> yeah and so it all come out in the music you know like we'd listen to music and i'm like wait <laughs> this doesn't quite line up yeah yeah like all this sex pistols blasting on a sunday afternoon um uh, but i remember listening to so many so many like hidden tracks and things at the end of cassettes and like that would be my i would love that like that's yeah, my favorite I mean, and that that's curious because there's always this this feeling, or at least for me, and I I was like, you know, like it's starting to be a teenager, you know, like in the in the mid '90s, and it always felt like with Catholicism there was always something I wasn't supposed to be doing, and those secret tracks mm -hmm. there was that added mystery of like, 
you're not supposed to be listening to this. This is some weird <laughs> shit. And I was just so heavily, in, you know, again, the tradition was so heavily ingrained in me that things yeah. just outside the norm felt really, really spooky and scary. And I, I, I yeah. love the grunge era. I, I loved um, a perfect circle, but I didn't allow myself to love a perfect circle until I became much older when I was less sort of religious. Right. So it was just kind of interesting, an interesting time. But uh, I'm curious about plants. Let, let me ask you about the role that plants have played in your life, because it just it sounds like such a, a healthy way to step out of the madness of the world and into a, um, a more organic and, and rejuvenating space. So yeah. what was that for you like in the beginning? Um, so I came to really connect a lot with, yeah, with plants and, um, herbs and stuff when I was, uh, like late preteen, early teens, um, really like 15, 16 years old when I was able to kind of buy my own things and kind of have to start my own like collections. Um, I would, I, yeah, I, I started just like being really drawn to different herbs and their, their magical properties. Mm. Um, where did you learn was, that? Like, where, where did that, like, did you just decide to go to the library and, and be like, Hey, uh, you know, where can I find more stuff about this? Or <laughs> just curious. And yeah. And what's interesting is most of it was really just intuitive early on. Mm. It was just like, I would be drawn to these, like the different plants. And then I remember like once I was a teen and I was, um, like Etsy, had, not Etsy, um, uh, eBay was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would go on, <laughs> this is like how I was spending my like lifeguarding money, my babysitting money. I would go online and I would buy these like bulk lots of herbs and, um, and crystals sometimes too. And like, just, I would go through them and I would sort them and I would like look them up. Like I had, I had a couple little books, um, you know, those like pocket, the encyclopedia yeah, books yeah. of, um, one was of one was with herbs, one was with crystals, and I would just research it. And I would like nobody I knew was into this. And I would just kind of spend hours <laughs> in my room as an only child, <laughs> mm. um, just like like I said, categorizing them. And I would write like I, I have I have one of my books. I would like write little spells, <laughs> and I would like never really do them. I would never do them. I was like too freaked out to do them. But I would write little spells, and I would use the different herbs and like. And it was cute because like some of them, I would totally get the names wrong. Like I would, um, I thought like juniper berries were called Jupiter berries. So it was like this whole air of mystery around this. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where imagination and, and like the a foundation of something just kind of start blending in. But when you're younger, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Right. It's just the, yeah. the act of the expression. I, I love yeah. that you mentioned that you were too afraid to actually <laughs> say the spells. It's just uh, very interesting to me. Um, Oh man. What I was may I have gonna... still been altar serving at the time. I think <laughs> I, was that? Still... <laughs> I said I may have still been an altar server at the time, I think. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot there. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um so now now leading up to to where you're at now with the poetry collection that's coming out. Yeah. Can you tell me about its title and how this came together? Yeah. Um you know it's so awesome that like this so connects with what we've been talking about. I feel like this, <laughs> and this was not intentionally my first collection. Um, I wrote a whole 90 page poetry collection um, based on journals that I had written um, throughout my journey through shadow work, through getting 
um, through stopping drinking, through like all of this like deeper, heavy trauma stuff. So I have this like beautiful, graceful book and I shelved it. And like, oh. so the first one, and not like it, not, I mean, it's still very much a thing, but the, the collection that's coming out now is like, so it's entitled Lost Things. And it is a um, kind of poetry prose collection uh, going through phases in my life. And it kind of, it's a, it's linear, but it cycles. Um, so there is no one piece is totally disconnected from the other. And at the very end, they all come together and it kind of journeys through different snippets of life. And each uh, page is broken up with um, a St. Anthony prayer, mm. which is the, this is the first religious inter- This is the first time that my Catholic background is actually in my work out on the surface, which again is so interesting given everything we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but it, there's this old, like, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was like, this was one of the Brooklyn Italian things that were passed on of the Tony, Tony come around. Something's lost and can't be found. No, never, never heard of that. <laughs> so this is like a, my great grandparents from Italy lived in Brooklyn. Everybody that then moved to Brooklyn. Um, they would have this little, like, They'd have their prayers, but then they would have their like little, uh, little sayings. And that was always a thing that was passed on of Tony, Tony, come around. Something's lost and can't be found. Um, so it kind of, kind of moves through as like a, um, almost like a chaplet in a sense. And the, the tone of all of it is kind of going back and finding all of these bits of myself that were missing all of these pieces that were not there. Um, you know, everything having to do, I mean, and it's not over, it's, it's all pretty much, you know, it's all through poetry. So I'm not telling anybody anything, (laughs) um, but it's, and what's interesting is actually in the process of writing it, did pieces of myself come to the forefront that I wasn't even fully conscious of. So yeah, it's, um, it's my favorite. I'm so, and it's ridiculous and it's, 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 it's hilarious at times and doesn't make sense. And I think it's, it starts with, uh, life's too short not to stay really fucking weird, you know, yeah, and it just kind of goes yeah. on like that. Oh, um, I, I absolutely love that. And it really ties into what you were saying earlier, where we compartmentalize and we, yeah. we feel that things shouldn't be showcased in a way. Um, but you're not really presenting anything. You're just being you. And yeah. that, that's such a, a wonderful lesson that I happen to learn very, very recently. <laughs> you know, I wish I would have had that earlier on, but I, I think a lot of us do feel like we have to hold things close to the chest a little bit because the world is, is insane and the world hurts us and comes at us quickly. And, um, it's just a very empowering thing to see. So I'm really looking forward to reading that collection. It's going to be pretty awesome. Um, you mentioned, and I got a couple more questions because I know we're, you know, running a little bit low on time here, but you mentioned you were an only child. And now as a parent yourself, I'm curious how that has transformed you because it's, Mm -hmm. it's such a, a, beautiful experience for me anyway and for for my wife and i'm curious what will you be doing as a as a parent that you wish would have happened when you were younger that your parents would have you know done for you and i ask because i have a single child as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, i love that um i mean i think the first thing that kind of comes up is being fully in who i am and showing them that, mm. um, you know, with all of it. And I mean, you know, appropriately, obviously, but like, you know, there's, there's always this, um, 
this thing like, and, and it was culturally, it was not just my parents doing it, but of, you know, having to be, having to present in a certain way and having this, like everything be as good as it can be. And we follow the rules and we are this, and, you know, even bits of who my parents are, I only really started understanding, like as an adult, you know, having these really cool, soulful conversations and sharing poetry with my dad in my late thirties that I never knew he was into, <laughs> you know, my whole life. And, you know, my mom kind of doing, uh, you know, she's, it's so cool. Like she's, she's still like, she makes these t-shirts and these things for my girls, you know, and she's, she's more sharing herself. Like, and that's, so I feel like as a mother and now in this stage of my life, the biggest theme is just being whole and, you know, what I want to do and what I feel I need to do for my girls is to be fully myself and not be shelving or hiding or, you know, putting off any pieces of myself. Um, so that way they see it, you know, and then that can serve as like a, a template, you know, even what, you know, it could be the gardening stuff. It could be my poetry. It could be my, my sexuality, you know, as they're older, obviously like understanding that there is this whole person that is their parent and that they can be this whole person and it doesn't have to fit into any boxes or traditions. You know, it can be them, you know, and there'll be new things, you know? Um, yeah. I just, I don't know how much that has to, yeah. With like, yeah, Does yeah, that, but, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely perfect. I yeah. I do appreciate that because it's affirmation for for me and a lot of us to say we there there was a lot of withholding, you know, in in yeah, some families, you know, or religiously it it kind of makes you disconnect from your parents a little bit and you see them in a certain light, but that I I think that's just wonderful advice. Now, lastly, we touched on this a little bit but I think it's so important. And given that you, you do this work, I, I would greatly appreciate your feedback on this. Yeah. Why do we need poetry in, in your field mm. in, this, in this day and age? And what has it done for you and your quality of life? Yeah. Well, giving voice or shape or form to that which doesn't have shape or form or voice, I feel like it's so powerful. And that can be on a micro level individually, that can be on a macro level. Um, but there is a, a potency to, to what can come through when you're not kind of inhibited by the defenses, like not inhibited by, um, how is this going to come out? Is somebody going to argue with me about this on Facebook? Is, you know, is this going to be said correctly? Um, you know, is, am I processing it in the right way? Am I saying the right things? Um, you know, I feel, I strongly feel that poetry is, um, it is, it holds, it can be the container to hold all that doesn't take shape well, <laughs> in a sense. Um, and. And it also kind of then gives us back, you know, it's almost like this exchange where we kind of pour into this beautiful void and it pours back into us um, in this very kind of alchemized way, uh, something new. Um, and I feel like there's, there's so much within that that we can't describe and we can't kind of uh, define in the way that we're, we're typically taught to, you know, in this day and in this age. 
Um, but there's wisdom and there's beauty and there's support and there's healing and there's all of this. Um, once you kind of step into that imaginal poetic realm, um, and we don't have to know what it is even, you know, one of the biggest things for me has been to be comfortable in the void, be comfortable in the not knowing. Um, and I love that poetry is that, you know, it's like you open a page and just whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And then it's amazing what kind of comes out of it. That's a beautiful note to end on. I think, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. I mean, I'd be happy to talk for hours with you I and mean, this is an yeah. awesome conversation. And, no, I appreciate um, it. Well, question. You know, I, I do feel that anyone who's got anything else going on, you know, feel free to come back. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> when you get your next book lined up, let me know. I'd be happy to chat and, and catch up with you. It's It's been a real pleasure. And I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this and for sharing your, your insights and, and for the work that you do. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. no problem. I, I hope you have a great Sunday and uh, and hopefully I'll talk to you someday soon. Sounds great. Take care.